How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. And a good Sunday morning to you. We are back at it for another edition of Healthy Matters on this Sunday morning, and we're going to get you involved in uh, our topic today. Uh, let's first say uh, good morning to Dr. David Hill. Good morning. How was your week, doctor? Good morning. Hi, everybody. It was a good week. Uh, um, at the hospital, and um, it's been a, a, a fall-like week, which always is a good thing for me. I love the fall. I just love being able to put on a sweatshirt, and and I just like that little bit of chill in the air, although maybe it was a little bit more chill than, than we're used yeah, to for, for sure. September, eh? Yeah, but this week it looks like summer's going to come back, at least for a while, so... Uh, yeah, 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 that's what I've heard. What uh, what's What's been going on at the hospital this week before we get involved in our uh, topic for today? Indeed, we're going to talk about dermatology, but um, just a little brief update uh, about about what's going on in the state of affairs. You know, you know, as the as the pandemic virus uh, is all on on our minds, our our hospitalizations in the Twin Cities are roughly the same um, as they've been uh, for the last oh, month or two, which is both a good and a bad sign. It's a good sign in that it's not going up dramatically, but it's a bad sign is that it's also not going away dramatically either. So we're sort of in this plateau and uh and it could go any direction in the fall. And I'm talking mostly about hospitalizations in quite ill people. The cases are going up. That's not that's not um in much dispute. The number of cases and the case positivity rate is going up. So that's mildly concerning. But what's more so is that how many people are getting really ill and and that so far is not going up dramatically. And so I think there's at least some room for optimism there. But you know the fall is the is what is the big unknown uh, coming up. So we're just hopeful that it'll it'll stay flat or perhaps even get a little bit better. But that's hope isn't a strategy, as we always say. So we're going to have to continue to be vigilant as a community and a society, all pulling together. You know, all rowing the boat the same direction, all doing our best to protect each other. And if we do that, I I think we can get through this winter. But it's it's uh, we're not out of it yet. Not yet. Uh, I'll tell you what, let's uh, get our listeners involved with our topic today. Before you introduce your guest, let me give you our phone number and text number. It's the same number, 651-989-9226, if you uh, want to call in your question or uh, send a text. Who did, who did you invite today, doctor? I have Dr. Sarah Hilwa today. She is a dermatologist, and it is not her first time on the show. She's been on before um, in the studio uh, in downtown Minneapolis. I think it was maybe about a year ago. We'll uh, take a, a quick commercial break and be right back in a moment. Hang on. 651-989-9226. We'll be back with more on Healthy Matters on this Sunday morning at 830 WCCO. 
And welcome back to Healthy Matters this Sunday morning. Dr. Hilden has a special guest, and we certainly invite our listeners to join in on the conversation. 651-989-9226. Dr. Hilden, uh, who is your guest today? With us today, she's a repeat guest on the show. She's been here before. Dr. Hilden, welcome. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. Good to have you back, Sarah. So let me just give a brief introduction of what you do. So uh, Dr. Hilwa is a dermatologist in Hennepin Healthcare. She practices at several of our, our locations, and I'm going to ask her to tell you what those are. She's in a comprehensive dermatology practice that includes medical dermatology. She does procedural things. She teaches and is, does cosmetic dermatology. She does both adults and children and, and deals with skin allergies, such as contact dermatitis on your skin and even does some inpatient dermatology if you happen to be in the hospital. So she's a busy person. So I'm so glad you're here with us. We're going to talk about any of uh, people's questions about their skin care. But, but if you could help us out, Sarah, tell us about your practice. Where are you in the Hennepin system, and what kind of things are you are, do you generally see in your practice? Yeah, so I personally work at both the downtown clinic and the new building, um, as well as at the North Loop Clinic, which is located at 800 North Washington. We also have a clinic in Golden Valley, um, which my colleague, Dr. Aaron Luxemburg, staffs predominantly. And then, like you said, if you uh, are in the hospital and have a dermatologic condition, we, I and my colleagues float over there to see patients as well. But you kind of hit all the highlights. You know, one of the wonderful things about being a dermatologist is that we see patients from newborns all the way up until people in their 100s. And we see them for a variety of things, such as growth on their skin, skin cancer, rashes, um, pigmented things that are changing, as well as cosmetic concerns or just overall questions about their skin and how the skin changes with time. Have you been able to um, see people during this pandemic? I know things have changed so much, um, especially in this past spring. And dermatology is such a visual kind of a, a specialty. How have you been able to manage? Yeah, I mean, I think that our practice has changed a lot and um, maybe sort of come up to date to some extent because we're using a lot of teledermatology. So we're relying a lot more on um our colleagues who, like yourself, who are there in the hospital and more on the front, front line to sometimes take pictures and then send to us and then we will evaluate them and then send back our recommendations. But in certain situations, there is no substitution for um, seeing something in person or if a procedure has to be done on someone who's an inpatient, we will go into the hospital and see that see those people. But it's definitely different. I mean, I think that dermatology has benefited from the fact, like you said, that it's so visual. So teledermatology or telehealth, telemedicine is really um, available to us, which is great because it keeps everybody, you know, safe. Um, It's a safer way to go. But certainly if we have to see people, we are ready and able to do that. Yeah, I've often thought that, that some of the people with the best um, pattern recognition skills, another one, seeing something and just having a sense for what it is, are indeed dermatologists because things have such, um, I remember when I, you know, I know almost nothing about your specialty, but I do remember when I did a rotation and that they're, they're teaching us all the words you have to use, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, um, mm-hmm. to describe what you see. And people kept telling me, the teachers, it was Dr. Bruce Bart, one of the mm-hmm. um, one of the um, venerated uh, dermatologists in town, and he uh, he would say, "Well, describe to me what you see." And 
if you can't see it, it's harder to describe it. So that's that's good to hear that at least you're able to use um, telehealth and, and some of the technology to see your patients. That That's super important. What kind of common things are, are people experiencing that, that can't wait as long during this pandemic? Uh, are, you know, what, what kinds of things are people calling in for? Yeah, I mean, I think obviously if someone is concerned about skin cancer, those are the types of things that really a telehealth visit is not going to suffice usually. Sometimes people are concerned and we can look at the lesion over a picture, over a video and say, nope, you know what, that looks like a normal spot and that's always good. But if unless you can say 100% that it's okay, really people have to come in because oftentimes it needs either an in-person look and or a biopsy so that it gets sent to the pathology department and looked at under the microscope for more definitive diagnosis. So those are the the scenarios where for sure people have to come in or for skin checks, you know, it just doesn't make sense to have someone strip down and show all their skin over a camera. It just isn't efficient. Um, and you don't get a good work, enough yeah. look. No, that doesn't work at all. So for people who have a history of skin cancer or um, need a skin check, then really those people have to come in as well to the clinic. But otherwise, you know, a lot of people are having issues with acne on the face or other rashes on their face associated with the masks. A lot of those things, acne, rosacea, um, other simple rashes or exacerbations of psoriasis, things like that, those can usually be handled over a telemedicine visit. Not always, but at least it's a good place to start. I'd like to stay on that topic for a second as long uh, while while you brought it up because I'm mm-hmm. reading the text line from listeners and there's already several well there's several questions coming in from listeners but some of them are about acne. And I'm going to read mm-hmm. you this one Sarah. It, it does say I'm experiencing acne from face mask wearing. Mm-hmm. Do you have any helpful tips to get that under control? What do you think? Yeah. Yeah, so it sort of depends on what the mask me, as we're calling it, looks like. Oh, it's got um, a name now. It's going to be in the textbooks it's, pretty soon. <laughs> it is. I mean, if you Google mask me, it's like you get a ton of hits. So this is an, uh, and on, you know, uh, listservs and things that I'm a part of with other dermatologists, this is coming up all the time. And I think my colleague, Dr. Jenny Liu, posted some things on Instagram too about it. Um, but basically, uh, you know, the major thing is, as soon as you get home or you can take off your mask, be sure that you take it off and, and get the, the skin to air out a little bit. Use gentle cleansers on the face. So not necessarily harsh bar soaps, but um, cleansers that are formulated to, to go on the face. Um, and sometimes you need some things that'll dry you out a little bit too. So if you're getting more white pustules, like I've been getting from my mask, switching over to a benzoyl peroxide containing acne wash can be helpful. And then moisturizing the skin well, especially before you put the mask on. If you're wearing an N95 mask, you know, or uh, something that has to fit really tight, you can't necessarily do that because it can interfere with the with the seal. But um, otherwise, making sure that the skin has a nice um, moisturization so that your barrier function is intact and, and working well can be helpful too. And then obviously, um, light exfoliation, you know, just rubbing the area when you're done with the with wearing the mask with a soft washcloth can be helpful to remove any excess oil or dead skin that's sort of um, been lingering there after wearing the mask. 
So there's more questions kind of on the same topic I'm going to read mm-hmm. you. Um, uh, this one, I think you've kind of answered it, but it's about acne and people that are a little older. It says, what are ways to treat adult acne for women in their 20s? And thank you to Barb from Savage for that question. Is it the same for adults and kids or you know, people who are in their 20s? Yeah, you know, it really depends because acne comes in sort of different types. So it depends on what's triggering your acne. Like, obviously, we're learning, you know, masks do it from from being a confining space to some extent, extent and not letting um, the skin breathe, per se, or just having more pressure and humidity in that area. But oftentimes for women in their 20s and in their 30s, there's a large hormonal component to their acne. So that's usually manifest by having deeper pimples, say, on the chin or the jawline that will flare around their period. So if that's the case, then sometimes going on an anti-hormonal pill can be helpful so that the skin doesn't get triggered to cause the acne from the hormones. Um, You know, otherwise, the same acne measures apply, gentle cleansing, um, using a benzoyl peroxide-containing face wash as long as it's not too drying. And then oftentimes for almost all of our acne patients, we're prescribing or recommending using a retinoid, which helps to basically, at the broadest level, keep the pores open so that they don't clog. Um, But everyone's acne is usually a little bit different, so everyone gets a tailored plan to some extent, but those are kind of the basics for adult female acne. The retinoids, um, those are only from, from you, right? Those are prescription only. Actually, no. So um, that's a great question. Well, most of them are, but there is one called Differin or Adapalene that as of two to three years ago was prescription, but now you can get over the counter. So um, oftentimes either insurance or us will recommend starting that, um, and then you can advance up to prescription strengths. But a lot of people like Differin. It's usually a little bit lighter, causes a little bit less dryness. Um, But for all retinoids, you know, there's a few things to keep in mind. Number one, less is more. So if you put it on thick like a moisturizer, oftentimes you're going to get the side effect of irritation and dryness, which is why a lot of people will stop it prematurely. Um, And it's good to know that it really takes, they take a long time to kick in. So you won't start to see the effects of using your retinoid for like three months. So you have to be really patient with it if you have acne which can be frustrating because most people want their acne gone, you know, yesterday. But sometimes it's sort of the low and slow um, pace that leads to the best success. That's terrific. We have a lot more questions. We're going to take phone calls as well. I have a lot of text messages. We have several about uh, topics we're going to cover in the second half of the show, including skin tags, aging, wrinkle creams, uh, wrinkled skin, dry skin on the back. We have a lot of questions al- along those lines. We are okay. talking to Dr. Sarah Hilwa, who is a dermatologist at Hennepin Healthcare. Um, just a couple of uh, notes for listeners. If you want to see one of our uh, uh, dermatology team, uh, either Dr. Hilwa or her partners, the number is easy. It's 612-873-6963. Or you can always go to hennepinhealthcare.org and including learning about some of the cosmetic dermatology products that they have and some of the um, services that they offer there. So it's 612 873 
800-259-6963. And after the break, if you get your pens and pencils ready, I'm going to give you a specific number to the dermatology clinic to talk about some other uh, um, services that you can get more directly. That'll be after the break. Danny? Very good. Let's invite our listeners to join in on the conversation. If you have a question about your skin or someone you care about, 651-989-9226. That's the phone number. It's also the text number, 651 989 9226. We'll take this break. We'll have a look at the forecast as well coming up here on News Talk 830 WCCO. And welcome back to Healthy Matters this morning. And if you were joining us a little bit late, Dr. David Hill, and of course, your host. And for those did to join us late, who did you invite today? We have Dr. Sarah Hill, a dermatologist at Hennepin Healthcare today. Good morning, everybody. Um, we're talking about common skin conditions, and we've got a load of questions from the text line. And from listeners, so I'm going to go to some of those questions right now. We're going to, I'm going to go back to a one that came earlier, Sarah, in the show. It says this, um, what causes constant back itching? I have tried many creams, lotions for this, and it helps some, but it still continues. Any suggestions for treating that? Well, in my experience, that's a great question and very common thing that walks into our clinic. Um, there are maybe three different reasons. The first and maybe simplest is just dry skin. Um, it's hard for people to be able to reach the back to moisturize. And so oftentimes it's a place that doesn't get moisturization. And of course, as our skin ages, it, it dries out and dry skin can lead to itchy skin. So the first thing is to make sure that the skin of the back is well uh, moisturized. And if you can't reach it or you don't have someone who can put moisturizer on your back every day, there are devices that you can buy one is called Laplique, um, but basically what it is, it's a sponge attached to a stick. So you can put the moisturizer on the sponge and then put it on the back. Sometimes what I tell patients to do is just to take like a back scratcher and to rubber band or duct tape a sponge onto the end of it, and that basically works the same and maybe a little bit easier easier to do than to find this fancy wand. Um, the second is that there's a condition called notalgia parasthetica, which is a really uh, foreign-sounding name, complicated <laughs> name, right? Yeah, yeah. But it's um, very, very common, and it's basically where patients get an itchy patch, usually located over the shoulder blades. The left is more common than the right, um, and sometimes people have both, but it's this itchy, itchy, itchy area. And this is thought to be due to actually poor posture to some extent. So where we all sort of sit kind of hunched over, um, it sort of pulls on the skin and leads to some irregularities in the nerve sensations being sent out. And it leads to this chronic itchy patch on the back of the, on the back. And so doing back strengthening exercises or working on posture, pulling the shoulders back, things like that can be helpful. And there are creams that we can recommend from time to time to put on to help, uh, to help with that. And then the third, which is maybe less common, if there's like one particular tinier spot that's always itchy or a little bump that's always itchy, um, a lot of people will get these growths that come with time called seborrheic keratoses. Keratoses, they're benign thickening of the skin. And every once in a while, one of them will become really itchy, sometimes pink and inflamed too, but sometimes, you know, people don't like that. So if one is persistently itchy, oftentimes they'll come in and we can freeze it off or remove it in other ways. 
for that. Good advice. You know, now there's one more reason I can't slouch in my chair. I have to have good posture now. Exactly. I'm going to get skin problems too. Geez, my wife tells me that I'm going to that we're going to evolve into a species that all is hunched over because we all hunch over our phones and computers. Now we can add skin problems to the complications. Good grief. um, I'm still uh, at the listener calls here. There's this about skin tags. Um, Mm -hmm. And uh, there were actually several questions. So the the one that came earliest in the show said, oh, uh, there's a lot of them here. (laughs) It was here. Um, I'm in my late 60s, and I'm getting a lot of molds and skin tags on my neck. What are my options for removing them? And it says, would Lasix work? I don't know what that is. I think you, I'm not sure what that means. That's a, that's a different. An eye procedure. Yeah, maybe laser is what they mean. Um, lasering often isn't done for, um, for skin tags. Oftentimes there's kind of two options are the basics of it is they have to be physically removed or destroyed in some way. So for patients who come into clinic, we often will clip them off, especially if they're a little bit bigger or freeze them off. Um, sort of depends on the type and where they are. They can also be treated with a little electric needle, which helps to um, sort of desiccate them and fry them off. But they need to be sort of mechanically removed in some way. There's no, you know, I know that there's a lot of things on the internet or um, you can even sometimes buy in stores for, for skin tags, but oftentimes they don't work or they can lead to just open sores, which is not great and doesn't always heal well or look the best at the end. So, I would always make sure to go to, you know, a board-certified dermatologist to have them looked at or removed. Yeah, another question on the same topic, you'd ask that very thing. What is an easy home remedy for mm-hmm. removal of small skin tags? I bet you do get people trying to cut these things off, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, a lot of times where they'll tie like a hair around it to try to get the oh, good grief. circulation. I know, yeah. But for little tiny ones, that doesn't really make a lot of sense. You know, occasionally if there's, if it's a flatter one, sometimes, you know, Dr. Schultz freeze away, the freeze removal that you would use for warts could be helpful. But if you have a lot of them, again, it's just going to potentially lead to open sores. And so it's not uh, recommended that you do that. It would be better to get it checked out. And then if your dermatologist thinks that a treatment like that is helpful, they can specifically recommend it to you. What are skin tags, Sarah? And what the heck are they? Yeah, you know, basically they're just little polyps, which are like little overgrowths of the skin. They have a lot of fat in them, and they're covered by normal skin cells. They come with time. They seem to love foldy areas like the neck, um, under the arms. Less commonly, I guess, thank goodness, in the groin, but sometimes they happen there too. They tend, like I said, to come with time. They come uh, with weight gain. So especially people that are have diabetes or are overweight um, or are heading in that direction, it seems to be more common. And in pregnancy, they become really common. Here's a question um, to the listener line from Cynthia in Minneapolis. It says, do those expensive serums for aging skin really work, the kind that are supposed to stimulate collagen? Yeah, that's a great question, too. You know, it really depends on what your what type of product you're talking about. There are so many skin products on the market, um, and a, a lot of them can be gimmicky, but a lot of them can be, you know, have real effects, so it's really hard to know. You know, the basics of keeping your skin healthy are kind of um, three things, and then you can kind of build up 
up from there. But the basic basics are to use a gentle cleanser to get sort of the dead skin cells, oils off, the pollution from the day, make up all of that. But you don't necessarily want to use the same type of soap on the face that you would use on the body because the body soaps tend to be harsher, more alkaline, and less well-balanced. And so they'll dry your the gentle skin of the face out more. So using a specific facial cleanser is really recommend, is, is, uh, recommended. The second is to moisturize. So the skin does get moisture from, you know, the body itself, but it also loses moisture, gains moisture from the environment. And so keeping moisture on the skin with a moisturizer is really helpful to keep your skin barrier intact, like you were talking about with the masks, but also help to, with fine lines and wrinkles over time. And then the most, most, most important, if you weren't going to do anything else for anti-aging, is sunscreen. The UV rays from uh, the sun are really what damage our skin and leads to um, aging looks, spots, wrinkles over time. And so using a strong sunscreen for the face is really important. Beyond that, you know, using antioxidant serums um, or other uh, devices you know, may, can be helpful depending on the situation, but you can find these at any price point too. So, you know, from cleansers to moisturizers to sunscreens, expensive doesn't necessarily mean better. Some of the most common things that I recommend you can just find at your local pharmacy. So um, occasionally adding in, you know, anti-aging serums like those with vitamin E or C can be helpful to sort of clean up any sun damage that maybe happened during the day that your sunscreen didn't uh, catch. But beyond that, um, things are become more optional or more based on your individual skin needs. And that's why meeting with a skin professional can be helpful to help guide you through that. Here's another age-related question from the text line. It says, hello, please ask the doctor about age spots on the face for those of us in our 60s. Thank you to that texter. Uh, I don't know who that is from, but uh, what, what are those age spots? And frankly, I have some on my hands now, and I'm not happy. I know, right? I have noticed them, too, on my arm. Most of them are, are one of two things, either seborrheic keratoses, which are these benign thickenings of the skin that usually start in people's 30s and 40s and then kind of accelerate from there. They are really common on the scalp and the temples. They tend not to be in the, the mid-face or the cheeks, um, although there are exceptions, obviously, to that, to that rule. And then the other are what are called solar lentigos or sun freckles, and those are really common on the face and the backs of the hands. They're flatter. They tend to be more evenly colored. It is helpful to watch those, though. Those can, unlike the seborrheic keratosis, those can turn into forms of skin cancer very infrequently. But if they're getting really big or not even in color, then it's good to get those checked out. <clears throat> I wonder if that's what this texture is referring to. Another one came in um, on that topic. It says this. Mm-hmm. What are the red freckle-like spots which are popping up on my torso as I mm. age? They aren't itchy or bleed. They just mm-hmm. seem to be there. Those are one of my favorite spots. As what, the red of, course I have, your... of course I have a favorite spot. No, these little red dots that people get, they're called cherry. They have a cute name. They're called cherry angiomas. They are little red. They look like bright, 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 you know, Crayola red spots on the body. Sometimes they can be purple. Sometimes they're usually little, like somebody took a red pen and just put little dots on you. 
um, but they can get bigger too. They're basically overgrowth of um, blood vessels. So if you pick at them or hit them in the wrong way, they can bleed and sometimes they bleed a lot. Um, but they're not dangerous and they never turn into anything bad. And yes, they are basically a sign of aging. Just one more lovely thing. Well, you know, I, don't, I bet you tell people to never pick things. Is it ever okay to pick at things? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't pick at things. I think the problem with picking is sometimes the picking, uh, I think the picking is very natural. You know, um, I like to pick at things myself, but the problem is that the picking action tends to lead to more damage of the skin and leads to a worse looking mark than if you just left it alone and let it go through its own uh, own natural course of events. Denny, I think we have time, uh, time for a break, but we're going to come back yeah. with more listener questions after the break with Dr. Sarah Hilwa from Dermatology. Absolutely. And if you want to call in your question, we've uh, cleared the line. We have a line open if you'd like to do that or send another text, 651-989-9226. That's the phone number. It's also the text number. We're talking about your skin this morning on Healthy Matters here on News Talk 830, WCCO. Hey, good morning. Welcome back to Healthy Matters. We're talking about your skin this morning, welcoming your phone calls and text messages for Dr. Hilden and his guests, 651-989-9226. Well, Dr. Hilden, we have a caller. I know our time is starting to run out here. Let's grab a phone call from Catherine in Blaine. Thank you for waiting, Catherine. Hey, good morning, you guys. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, I have a question about my scalp. In the winter time, I get little, I, it's, it's little itchy spots on my scalp. And what can I do with that? It's not in the summer. It's kind of funny, but not in the summer. Just in the winter time. Thanks, Catherine, for your question. Let me try to tackle it. So, I mean, probably like all skin, all of our skin here in Minnesota in the winter, it gets dried out um, because the, the climate changes, the weather changes, and we start to lose more moisture from our skin to uh, the environment. So a couple things is, you know, if some ways to keep moisture in, in the hair and in the scalp is to shampoo less frequently, actually, um, which can sometimes seem a little bit uh, counterintuitive, or you may go through a little bit more oily phase as your, your scalp starts to adjust to it, but it helps because shampoo, the problem with shampoo is that it cleans the hair and it strips the hair of its moisture in the scalp too. And so by decreasing that, um, the frequency of shampooing the hair, it, it leaves more moisture on the scalp and, and in the hair itself that can help retain moisture and hopefully prevent the dryness, which then also prevents the itchiness. There's also um, a shampoo or a, a condition, excuse me, called seborrheic dermatitis. Uh, which is where we have an overgrowth of a yeast, which is actually sounds disgusting, but we all have this yeast and sometimes it overgrows and causes dandruff or dry scalp. And in those cases, using an anti-dandruff shampoo like Head & Shoulders or Selsum Blue, or there are prescription versions, um, can be helpful. These types of medicated shampoos, though, need to be used a little bit more differently than traditional shampoos. Um, which usually just cleanse the hair because they're more scalp treatments. So for that, um, you would massage it in really well. 
leave it on for, say, three minutes and then rinse it out. So you have to leave it on and make sure you massage it a little bit more because of that. And then if those little tricks don't help, there are prescription topicals that we could give you to help get down to the scalp and help calm any inflammation that may be there and causing the itching. So hopefully those small things will make it, make it better for you this winter. Great tips. Now we just have a few minutes left. I'm gonna give. I'm gonna put you through the lightning round, Sarah. We're gonna have you okay. go. We're gonna. We're gonna. Let's try to get some. Some of these text messages. This one says, "I'm in my late 60s and I'm getting a lot of molds." And wait, I asked that one already. My fault. Here's one that says, "I have scabies." The doctor is recommending permethrin, triamcinolone, hide mm-hmm. a bunch of other things. What do you recommend for scabies? Really, the traditional treatment for scabies is the permethrin. The major thing with it, though, is that you have to put it almost everywhere. You can spare the face itself and the scalp, but basically from behind the ears, down the neck, in the belly button, in the tush crack, underneath the fingernails, underneath the toenails, between the toes, you have to get it everywhere. And then you have to leave it on for the uh, allotted amount of time, and then you can wash it off. And then most importantly, you have to... Dr. Hill, we can hear you. We've had a little break there. Are you there? Yes, I'm here. I'm here. Okay, we're back on. Um, so you were talking about, we were talking about scabies. Yes. And um, let me ask you the next question. We have just okay. a minute here. Um, yeah. This one says, I'm a man who has annual full body skin checks. I've had a basal cell spot removed from my face, several precancerous spots in the other parts. Should mm-hmm. the swimsuit area be examined as well? I can never really look to see if there's any spots. And we just have a few seconds left. Yes, of course. You should check for skin cancer everywhere you have skin. What about if you can't see in that area? I guess you have to call in the reinforcement. Call in a help, or there are ways, especially if you go to the AAD.org, American Academy of Dermatology, and look up how to do a self-skin check. There are ways that they show you using mirrors that you can uh, get a good look at your back. Here's a really quickly, regarding xanthalasma, I'm Mm 62-year-old male. I have low normal cholesterol, but mild xanthalasma near the eye. Considering the pandemic concerns, is there a way to treat this at home? Thanks, Jay. Again, we just have a few seconds. Sadly, no. That requires coming into the to the clinic to have it treated. All right, Jay, you got to go in. We have been talking with Dr. Sarah Hilwa, dermatologist at the Dermatology Department at Hennepin Healthcare. If you want to see her or anyone else in our department, go to hennepinhealthcare.org. That's the easiest way. But you can always make a phone call, 612-873-6963. Thank you so much for being on today, Sarah. Oh, it's my pleasure. And we'll uh, hope you join us again uh, next week for another edition of Healthy Matters. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ucalypt speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023.